Hello everyone, this is Ebun Olua Adedayo, the host on this podcast series, Proclaiming Jesus. I am very grateful that you decided to tune in with me again as we continue on with episode 2 of this podcast. I hope that you would learn a lot and um, that you'll be blessed. However, before we dig into this episode's content, I would like to leave you guys with two side notes. Uh, the first would be a fourth anchor verse. If you remember from the first episode, I left you with three scriptural readings and I termed these anchor verses um, for the journey of this series, being that they are the foundation for upon which I build everything I'll be speaking on, you know, scriptural foundation. And so in today's episode, I'll be leaving you with a fourth anchor verse. And this would be from the second letter of Peter, chapter 1, from verses 20 to 21. Every scripture reading I will be doing in this episode would be from the New Living Translation, NLT. So second Peter 1, 20 to 21 says, Above all, you must realize that no prophecy in scripture ever came from the prophet's own understanding or from human initiative. No. Those prophets were moved by the Holy Spirit and they spoke from God. I hope you guys would um, keep these anchor verses in mind because again, they are the foundation upon which I build everything that I'll be talking about in this series. The second side note would be a testimony of some sort. Um, so um, testimonies are very important because they tell of God's goodness to you know the rest of people. They show how great God is. They reveal how loving God is and you know the character of God and how faithful he is and so um, I would like to share a testimony with you guys today um, my okay so in deciding to um, do this podcast it's like took a lot for me <laughs> because I'm kind of shy and I had been contemplating it for a very long time for a period of like many months before I decided to take the step and you know take the leap of faith as they will say and um, as I did the recording for the first episode, even though I am not really, you know, like um, speaking face to face, I was so nervous. I was really nervous, you know, as it is at the beginning of everything, you know, at beginnings. And I was really nervous, but I just carried on and I really, I was praying throughout the time I was speaking and i told god you know this is not me speaking i don't want anything to be from me from my opinions or my perspective less of me more of you like holy spirit take control and so um i was still a nervous wreck i wouldn't even pretend to you but i kept speaking and you know words just kept flowing and all or not still even though you know it seemed to have been quite successful at the end of the recording i didn't feel very pleased I kept thinking back on things I had said and wondered if okay they were true. I was just speaking from my own knowledge and my own understanding. I don't want to speak just from my own knowledge and understanding. I don't want to appear like I know everything because I don't. And every day I find something new, I learn something new about God or the world. I'm reminded yet again how much I still don't know and you know how little I know and how I could never boast of my own knowledge because all revelation comes from the Holy Spirit. And it's not anything of myself, you know, in and of myself. So I was really worried and I pondered upon it for so many days. But of course, I had gone through the trouble of recording and I did not want to do another recording. 
and I was just really so dissatisfied. I felt dissatisfied, I felt very conflicted and I wasn't very happy. Um, even though I had prayed, right? <laughs> but some days ago or like maybe a week ago, I was thinking back to um, the first episode and you know how the recording went and I remembered how that episode ended or how I ended it and it really wasn't planned now this is not to make it seem like I don't plan anything or any or things like that but things don't always go according to plan as like the Bible says you know we make our plans but it's God who stamps them God will still do his own will you know allow his will to prevail and so like I, I just realized that um, how I ended that that particular episode really was it was it was beyond me and like as I was talking and I came to that point which would become the ending it just it just felt right I was like okay this sounds just like just the right place to stop and looking back I, I realized that that wasn't me at all like I didn't plan it it's it it seemed to come into you know it seemed to all come into shape you know it seemed to all make sense by the end of the whole episode and let me tell you i actually went and listened to it again <laughs> that's how crazy i am but then i'm sure i'm not the only one um, and, and in that moment i was like oh my god i had prayed for god's guidance i had prayed for the holy spirit to take over and yet here i was still fidgeting and still um fretting instead of believing that he had been with me and he was with me throughout the whole process and and I, 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 I mean, I, I felt repentant <laughs> and I was like, oh Lord, I'm sorry. I lost sight of who you are. I lost sight of how you were with me. And I was so focused on my own idea of how things had happened that I forgot to see things from your perspective. You know, perspective really matters. And I decided that I was going to be grateful and I was going to be um thankful to god because indeed he had answered my prayers and he, he had been with me throughout the recording of that episode now um why am i telling you guys this i just to let you know that god is very faithful he's very faithful he's always faithful when we ask for help he's there his word says that he's a very present help in times of trouble and it seems like, oh, these are just scriptures that you say, you know, just because oh, you've heard them growing up, especially if you have, um, if you have Christ believing parents or you grew up in the church, like what, these are just scriptures that you always hear, but believing, like believing them, really believing them and claiming them and living in them and walking in them. In doing that, you realize that God never, ever, ever feels. And sometimes you might not even feel like he's, you actually need to take a step back and take stock of everything and you realize that in moments of your life in moments of you know different experiences at different points you can see where he was actually walking but you act you have to take that step back to reflect and find those moments because it's so easy to overlook them and to think that oh he wasn't there at all and you know you go on believing a lie believing that you were alone believing that God is not faithful he doesn't love you and he does and he's always there and so I want to encourage you even as you continue listening to my podcasts and just as you go on with life you know to always take time to reflect because in reflection you see all the moments all the periods all the instances where God was faithful in your life where God was actually working in your life even though in that moment you didn't see it 
you couldn't feel it and you couldn't smell it and with that this is my testimony i hope you're encouraged let's dive in Okay, let's begin with a little recap from the previous episode. In episode one, we started this journey of discovering who Jesus Christ is. We looked at a few scriptures that gave us a little background of who the person of Jesus is or might be. And we ended with a cliffhanger from the second verse in the letter to the Colossians chapter two. <laughs> Let me say that in the normal way, Colossians two verse two. From Colossians 2 verse 2, we saw that God has a mysterious plan or had a mysterious plan or has always had a mysterious plan. And this mysterious plan is Jesus. And then we ended that episode with the question, how on earth is God's mysterious plan Jesus? Where does Jesus fit into God's mysterious plan? And so we are going to be continue that journey in this episode of discovering how Jesus Christ fits into God's mysterious plan. Stay tuned. Today, we are going to be looking at several scriptural passages that give us a hint as to how Jesus has been God's plan from way back when, in the beginning. And as we read, as you listen, as I read and you listen to these scripture passages, I want you to take note of instances where you hear the law and the prophets, or the Torah, or the Tanakh, because therein lies our hint. Okay. The very first passage that we would be looking at is from the book of Luke, from the gospel according to Luke, chapter 24, from verses 13 to 27. That same day, two of Jesus' followers were walking to the village of Emmaus, seven miles from Jerusalem. As they walked along, they were talking about everything that had happened. As they talked and discussed these things, Jesus himself suddenly came and began walking with them. But God kept them from recognizing him. He asked them, What are you discussing so intently as you walk along? They stopped short, sadness written across their faces. Then one of them, Cleopas, replied, You must be the only person in Jerusalem who hasn't heard about all the things that have happened there the last few days. What things? Jesus asked. The things that happened to Jesus, the man from Nazareth, they said. He was a prophet who did powerful miracles and he was a mighty teacher in the eyes of God and all the people. But our leading priests and other religious leaders handed him over to be condemned to death and they crucified him. We had hoped he was the Messiah who had come to rescue Israel. This all happened three days ago. Then some women from our group of his followers were at his tomb early this morning and they came back with an amazing report. They said his body was missing and they had seen angels who told them Jesus is alive. Some of our men ran out to see and sure enough, his body was gone, just as the women had said. Then Jesus said to them, you foolish people, you find it so hard to believe all that the prophets wrote in the scriptures. Wasn't it clearly predicted that the Messiah would have to suffer all these things before entering his glory? 
Then Jesus took them through the writings of Moses and all the prophets, explaining from all the scriptures the things concerning himself. And we will pick up the story from verses 31 to 49. Suddenly their eyes were opened and they recognized him. And at that moment he disappeared. They said to each other, Didn't our hearts burn within us as he walked with us on the road and explained the scriptures to us? And within the hour they were on their way back to Jerusalem. There they found the eleven disciples and the others who had gathered with them, who said, The Lord has really risen. He appeared to Peter. Then the two from Emmaus told their story of how Jesus had appeared to them as they were walking along the road, and how they had recognized him as he was breaking the bread. And just as they were telling about it, Jesus himself was suddenly standing there among them. Peace be with you, he said. But the whole group was startled and frightened, thinking they were seeing a ghost. Why are you frightened, he asked. Why are your hearts filled with doubt? Look at my hands, look at my feet. You can see that it's really me. Touch me and make sure that I am not a ghost, because ghosts don't have bodies, as you see that I do. As he spoke, he showed them his hands and his feet. Still, they stood there in disbelief, filled with joy and wonder. Then he asked them, do you have anything to eat? <laughs> oh, this is so interesting. I hope you think so too. They gave him a piece of broiled fish and he ate it as they watched. Then he said, when I was with you before, I told you that everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and in the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. And he said, yes, it was written long ago that the Messiah will suffer and die and rise from the dead on the third day. It was also written that this message will be proclaimed in the authority of his name to all the nations, beginning in Jerusalem. There is forgiveness of sins for all who repent. You are witnesses of all these things. And now I will send the Holy Spirit just as my father promised. But stay here in the city until the Holy Spirit comes and fills you with power from heaven. Amen. And that was Luke 24 from verses 13 to 27 and from verses 31 to 49. Now, just for a little background, this was after Jesus had been crucified, had been killed and buried and he'd risen. And, um, you know, it was like a whole uh, opera. Like everybody was like, huh, huh, huh. Um, his disciples went to see his body, you know, to decorate it, to perfume it and all. They went to visit his tomb only to find an empty tomb there and to find angels there telling them that, oh, the person who had been buried is no more dead but alive. And so that's where the story picks up. We have two people who were also disciples walking along, talking about how everything, you know, everything that had happened, how sad it was that Jesus had died because they thought he was the Messiah. They thought he was going to save them. They thought that he was going to actually come and overthrow the Roman Empire. For those of you who don't know, um, Israel was under the Roman Empire during this time. Like This was the time that Rome was in power across many countries and nations. And so the people of Israel thought that the Messiah would be one who would come and overthrow the Roman Empire and save them, deliver them in such a magnificent way and proclaim himself, himself as king and, you know, kind of like governor, president, ruler, what have you. Except that... This person who was supposedly the Messiah was crucified. And Jesus comes, you know, he appears to them and he tells them everything that just happened within the last one week had been prophesied 
in scripture in the books of Moses in the law and the prophets and the Psalms like I said earlier on I wanted to take note of every place where he mentions law and the prophets law and all the prophets and the Psalms and the books of Moses now um, for those of you who don't know the books of Moses are considered to be the first five books in the Bible um, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. Those are the books of Moses. And um, every other book is either... Uh, this is, we're talking about the Old Testament now. Remember that the Bible is divided into the Old Testament and the New Testament. And so we have the first five books from Genesis to Deuteronomy. And after that, we have like other um, books written by... Or written bit like titled by setting by main characters in the books or in the yeah in the books and these are called like you know um the prophets books of the prophets then we have the psalms and yeah so when these are the books that form the torah like before we even talk about like um, the bible today being the old testament and the new testament the old testament is what formed the torah the tanakh that has been passed down from generation to generation in the Jewish community. And this is what these are what are called the law and the prophets. And Jesus is saying here that everything about him had been prophesied in these books, right from the very beginning, right from Genesis. Hmm. Interesting. Okay, just hold that thought. I want you to hold that, keep that in mind while we go to another scripture. The next scripture we'll be reading will be from the Gospel according to Matthew, chapter 5, from verses 17 and 18. And it says, Don't misunderstand why I have come. I did not come to abolish the law of Moses or the writings of the prophets. No, I came to accomplish their purpose. I tell you the truth, until heaven and earth disappear, not even the smallest detail of God's law will disappear until its purpose is achieved. It's very important. Okay, back, a little background. Jesus is the one who is talking here. <laughs> but it's very important to understand what he meant when he said, I did not come to abolish the law of Moses or the writings of the prophets. Many, people, many people's understanding of the Old Testament, as I have said, which is the law and the prophets, is, you know, like, oh, it's a bunch of all these do's and don'ts and these many laws, 613 commands, actually. The Ten Commandments plus additional 600 that were given later on in the course of time, in the course of history. And people understand this to be like these like burdensome, um, what would you call them? Burdensome rules and regulations that oh, in the New Testament don't mean anything anymore. Except that such belief is not exactly accurate. Now, there's this saying that the Old Testament is the New Testament concealed and the New Testament is the Old Testament revealed. In order to understand who Jesus is, it's very important to look back to the Old Testament, to the Torah, the law and the prophets, the book of the law and the prophets and the Psalms. Because these describe, they detail who Jesus is even before he came. And these were given as... Um, what would you call them like prophecies yes we're going to be talking about prophecies a lot prophecies like foretelling 
the coming of the Messiah. So for you to understand who Jesus is, for you to understand what he came for, why he came, why he had to come, um, for you to even understand his message, you have to understand the Old Testament. And to, some, to many people, it seems like, huh? Like the Old Testament is just a bunch of these stories that I don't get, that are boring, maybe, or... Or that are very unpleasant to read. You know, the New Testament is fun. It has all these letters by Paul and the apostles and, you know, the early fathers of the church, as we call them. But then, for you to fully understand the Bible story or the story of the Bible, you need to have the full picture. And that is both the Old and the New Testament. And you have to see how the Old Testament flows into the New Testament and how the New Testament is a fulfillment of the Old Testament. I hope I'm not speaking too much <laughs> um, riddles over here. I mean, here is Jesus saying that he did not come because one thing that the people like the Pharisees, the um, early, the rulers of his time thought was that he came to just turn everything upside down, which is partially true, which is kind of true, which is true actually, but you know, that's another conversation. How that's, how what that means what jesus coming means but jesus is saying no 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 don't think that i have come to do away with everything that had been prophesied before now instead i am the fulfillment of everything that had been prophesied before now so for you to understand me understand who i am you have to look back to get that full picture okay hanging there we're just beginning the next scripture we'll be looking at will be from the book of John, the gospel according to John, chapter 5, from verses 36 to 47. It says, But I have a greater witness than John, my teachings and my miracles. The Father gave me these works to accomplish, and they proved that he sent me. And the Father who sent me has testified about me himself. You have never heard his voice or seen him face to face and you do not have his message in your hearts because you do not believe me, the one he sent to you. You search the scriptures because you think they give you eternal life. But the scriptures point to me. Yet you refuse to come to me to receive this life. And let's jump ahead to verse 45. Yet it isn't I who will accuse you before the father. Moses will accuse you. Yes, Moses, in whom you put your hopes. If you really believed Moses, you would believe me because he wrote about me. But since you don't believe what he wrote, how will you believe what I say? Dun dun. <laughs> oh my goodness. Okay. A little background story. Um, so Jesus is talking to the Pharisees, the Jewish leaders of that time. And again, like I, like I mentioned before, the Torah or the Tanakh was the scriptures that the early Jews really referred to. You know, that was like their, um, how do I call it now? Those are, those, are the, those are the books of instruction. Like that is what they based their lives on, based their everything on. And so, um, but Jesus is saying here that Oh, I don't know why you guys don't believe my message. I don't know why you guys are rejecting me. You said the scriptures because you think that that's where you find life. But, you know, actually, the scriptures point to me. And so this gives you a little 
glimpse of what the scriptures are for, at least in terms in regards to the Old Testament and even both Old and New Testament. Jesus says, the scriptures point to me. So you should pause there. Let us pause here and actually like take that in. Hold our thoughts. The scriptures point to him. And then verse 46, where he says, if you really believed Moses, you would believe me because he wrote about me. But since you don't believe what he wrote, how will you believe what I say? Hmm. That makes you wonder. I just mentioned earlier that the, the books of Moses are Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. And Jesus is boldly stating here that Moses wrote about him. Now, I, I don't know. I, I don't know how many of you I'm talking who are listening to me who are um, conversant or familiar, familiar with scripture, familiar with the Bible, familiar with the story of the Bible or stories from the Bible. And you've, you've gone through Genesis. Maybe you started reading Genesis before and you were able to break through that. Then you got to Exodus and it's like, oh my goodness. And then you got to Leviticus and it was like, okay, I'm out of here. Now tell me where you saw Jesus stated or where you saw anything that you know seemed as if he was referring to Jesus like if you just looked at it at face value it's like huh I don't rem I don't recall reading anything about Jesus there but remember we are still in the beginning and we're looking we're looking at how Jesus is God's mysterious plan from way back when and how Jesus has always been the main character of the story this is getting exciting i am excited i mean how what does jesus mean by moses wrote about him i guess we are going to find out that's what we're here for right yeah okay next scripture we're going to be reading would be from john 1 john 1 from verses 45 to 51 so let's go back a couple of chapters to John chapter 1 and here we have Philip went to look for Nathanael and told him we have found the very person Moses and the prophets wrote about his name is Jesus the son of Joseph from Nazareth Nazareth exclaimed Nathanael can anything good come from Nazareth come and see for yourself Philip replied as they approached Jesus said now here is a genuine son of Israel a man of complete integrity. How do you know that about me? Nathaniel asked. Jesus replied, I could see you under the fig tree before Philip found you. Then Nathaniel exclaimed, Rabbi, you are the son of God, the king of Israel. Jesus asked him, Do you believe this just because I told you I had seen you under the fig tree? You will see greater things than these. Then he said, I tell you the truth. You will see all heaven Open. Oh, sorry, my bad. I'll read that again. Then he said, I tell you the truth. You will all see heaven open and the angels of God going up and down on the Son of Man, the one who is the stairway between heaven and earth. Um, I don't know. Um, hmm, how do I say this? This verse right here is a very important hint. It holds a very important hint. But before then, before then, let's go back to the beginning. 
okay a little background <laughs> so this here jesus is you know meeting everyone some of his disciples this is just an account of how jesus found some of his disciples some of the 12 actually he had many disciples many people that followed him but the 12 the very the main 12 i know like even if you don't know anything about jesus you know he had 12 disciples okay if you don't know or if you didn't know before he had 12 disciples 12 main disciples let me rephrase because he had multitudes of disciples multitudes of followers but he had 12 main disciples that he appointed and so this is just an account of how he met some of those and one of them or rather two of them are philip and nathaniel but this is before they became his disciples before they decided to follow him so philip went to look for nathaniel and this whole conversation you know occurred between them now when philip went to look for nathaniel what did he say just in case you don't remember he said we have found the very person moses and the prophets wrote about his name is jesus the son of joseph from nazareth i mean i guess it's easy to believe that okay the prophets wrote about jesus because i mean they are prophets right they prophesy although some although it's also easy to miss that but then moses again he's come up as someone who also wrote about jesus and that makes you wonder what are these people talking about for i i didn't know this before i, I didn't know this before like i myself your host i didn't know this before either and like i said everything i'll be sharing with you is based on what i have been learning and you know i've been learning a lot this year and so i'm so excited to share because it's so mind-blowing it's like oh where have you been all my life but that's part of the journey of knowing god you uncover a layer and there is more and you know the more you uncover it's so beautiful you get carried away you're like okay let's not get carried away let me not get carried away but yes yeah, so philip tells nathaniel we found the person whom moses prophesied about whom the prophets prophesied about how did they even know that that's one question but then what the question we are here to answer today is how moses talked about or wrote about jesus and then skip to verse 51 which i said is a very important verse because it holds a hint it says this is jesus replying right everything that they have been saying i tell you the truth you will all see heaven open and the angels of god going up and down on the son of man the one who is the stairway between heaven and earth. <sighs> this verse is a very precious verse. Why? Because we are going to find our son. <laughs> hang in there. Just hang in, okay? Okay. The next scripture we will be reading possibly the last from the New Testament in today's episode, will be from the letter of Paul to the Romans, Romans, Romans 1, from verses 1 to 4. And here, Paul is greeting. He says, This letter is from Paul, a slave of Christ Jesus, chosen by God to be an apostle and sent out to preach his good news. God promised this good news long ago through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures. The good news is about his son, in his earthly life, he was born into King David's family line and he was shown to be the son of God when he was raised from the dead by the power of the Holy Spirit. He is Jesus Christ, our Lord. I feel like I'm you know, jumping all over the place because it seems like there's a lot of missing information <laughs> in between. Okay. Um, 
let's do a little background history on who Paul is. Paul, also known as Saul, was a Jew. He was an Israelite from the tribe of Benjamin. How do I know that? Um, he mentioned it in his letters. <laughs> but um, that aside, yes. So he was a Jew, an Israelite from the tribe of Benjamin. And he was a very staunch Jew. Like, he was someone that you would call a zealot. He was a very, very um, conservative, no, that's not the word, a radical, fundamental, no, fundamental connotes something terrible in today's dictionary. But he was a very, very, very core Jew. So much that, now, okay, back, let me backtrack. When I say he was a very, 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 very core Jew, it meant that he was very, very conversant with the Torah, which is the law and the prophets, as the Jews call it. He was actually a student of the law. That's what he was. I mean, when you hear student of the law, it didn't mean that he was a lawyer, like, you know, we have today the lawyers or the barristers and um, all of them in the law occupation or profession as it is no it meant that he was a student of the law so he had studied spent hours and years and a lot of time unpacking the torah which was the scripture or which is the scripture that we that we are we have been referring to all this time so he was very 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 knowledgeable about the law and he was very very into being a Jew, not just by um, ethnicity, but also by, we'll say, lesser religion. So much so that he persecuted Christians. But that's beside the point. Um, why did I bring up this story? Because here in verse, verse 1, Paul says, or rather no, verse 2, Paul says, God promised this good news long ago through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures. So here, someone who is a very hardcore student of the law is letting us know that uh, Jesus Christ had been mentioned in the Holy Scriptures, the Torah. Now, we have, like, we have spent a lot of time in the New Testament, you know, looking at scriptures that talk about, I refer to the Old Testament, basically, the law and the prophets. And so I would like to take you guys with me on a journey through the law and the prophets. Now, <laughs> it's not going to be like, you know, a, um, a one-time thing. This is, where, this is where we begin in this journey. And of course, where do we start? You know this. You know this. Where do we start? The book of Genesis. Back to the beginning. Okay, back to the beginning. As I hope I have established so far, the story of who Jesus is, the story of Jesus, the person of Jesus, starts from way back when in the beginning. Um, last year, I decided to read my Bible from Genesis to the end. Um, I never did last year, actually. <laughs> but I realized that hmm, I wanted to know more about who God is and know more about his character. 
and I had spent a lot of time in the New Testament, um, reading the letters, uh, and some time in the Psalms, some time in some books of the prophets, just reading them, just, you know, haphazardly, reading my Bible haphazardly. But at some point, I just got so, I started, you know, I got curious, and I wanted to see how God had related with man from the beginning, because I wanted to get a deeper insight into the person of into his person into his character into who he is so that i'm i just i don't just you know believe based on what i've heard growing up but i wanted to see how his word described him or portrayed him or revealed him and so i got excited about at the prospect of reading my bible from beginning to end and you know i mean i didn't get to it last year 2020 but along the course of time i also started learning that oh the whole story of the bible points to jesus christ in fact the whole story like from the beginning <laughs> to the end is all about god and human beings all about god and Jesus, and in fact, Jesus is the fulfillment or rather the culmination of this story of everything from beginning to end. And I, I didn't know that before. It was a new revelation. And that even made me more excited and more eager to read my Bible from the beginning because I wanted to see how on earth all of scripture, including Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, everything, how it's had any connection to do with Jesus. And so, yes, yeah, so this year, by the grace of God, thanks be to him, I embarked on the journey of reading my Bible from beginning to end. Not just to say I've read it or just, you know, but because I wanted to see how this points to Jesus. And so that's what I have been doing. And, you know, that's the journey I am on. And of course, I'm excited that everything I learn. And like I mentioned, everything I'll be sharing with you is basically what I have been learning myself as I have embarked on this journey. It's mind-blowing. Um, this is not an advertisement. <laughs> but I would like to refer you to um, The Bible Project and to Timaki of The Bible Project. He has a podcast titled Exploring My Strange Bible. And um, also The Bible Project talks about a lot of concepts, a lot of, I don't want to say concepts, but a lot of truths from scripture, putting two and two together, just diving deeper and unpacking things of scripture that you might have overlooked in your journey as a believer or not, or even if you're not a believer, like even if you're not a believer, because my, my, my vision for this podcast is for everyone to hear and to know that God is God and that Jesus is the only way, the truth and the life and is the only by which we can come to the Father. And so I'm really passionate about you finding and discovering this truth for yourself, not just hearsay. And that is why I am referring you to Timaki and Exploring My Strange Bible. Um, that's, I also listen to some of his podcasts in my journey of going through my Bible. But, you know, that's just by, this, by the way, just to let you know why it's important to start this journey that we are deciding to go on that we have decided to embark on fulfilling i mean proclaiming jesus right and just to give you an idea of why we are going back to the beginning i mean we everything else that i've said in addition to everything else that i've said i hope you know you are convinced <laughs> to go back to the beginning with me
Now, many of the stories in the Old Testament that are very popular, at least to other people, even people who are not believers, you know, the story of Abraham, the story of Isaac, the story of Jacob and his 12 sons and Jacob cheating Esau, the story of um, David and Goliath and, you know, all these stories are very popular. And or rather, but if you look at the story of Genesis, there are really only two, two main characters or no two and a half main characters i should say and i'll explain that in a few seconds so we have the beginning of the story of the bible starting with god creating heaven and earth um he's the creator god um the only one who has been from before time and then he creates heaven and earth after which at the pinnacle of his creation he creates man and so let's go let's skip all the way to verse 26 in genesis 1 after this is after god had made everything in you know the six days the famous six days where he created um heaven and earth and here he says then god said let us make human beings in our image to be like us they will reign over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, the livestock, all the wild animals on the earth, and the small animals that scurry along the ground. So God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. Then God blessed them and said, Be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and govern it. Reign over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, and all the animals that scurry along the ground. And here we have, we have God creating man or humanity or human beings, human beings, mankind. So God was the only person in this story initially. And then we now have another set of living beings that look like him. That are created in his image, as he said. Human beings. Now, I'm, I'm, I'm sure you're wondering how this has to do with Jesus. <laughs> After all, are we not supposed to be looking at how Jesus has been God's mysterious plan from the beginning or from way back when? Don't worry, we'll get there. We might not, you know, we might not end there today, but we are making our way slowly. Then after God creates human beings, you know, he lets them, you know, he, he creates the Garden of Eden. I mean, he places man in the Garden of Eden and all these things happen. You know, man is tending the Garden of Eden, tilling the ground, you know, walking basically. Then woman is made um, out of the ribs of Adam. These are stories that we are very, very familiar with. Hopefully, you know, that we are familiar with in some way. And then after all that, we, you know, go past chapter one, go past chapter two, we find ourselves in chapter three, and that is the fall of man, the very epic fall of man, where this serpent or this snake from nowhere comes into the picture and he convinces the woman to eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil that they were told not to eat from. Okay. I think we've moved too far. Let's go back a bit. Now, when God created man and put him, or rather created humanity, created human beings and put them in the garden, he told them they could eat of anything in the garden. 
except from one tree and he called that the tree of the knowledge of good and evil and he said the moment or the very day that they eat of that tree they will die now mind you there were two trees in the middle of that garden by the way there was the tree of the knowledge of good and evil and there was the tree of life and so they had every freedom to eat from any tree including the tree of life but they were warned not to eat from only this one tree the tree of the knowledge of good and evil okay and so now back to where we were chapter three the epic fall of man the serpent comes and convinces the woman to eat from that very tree that they had been commanded not to eat from and after that a series a series of things happen now before this time it was just okay the man and the woman human beings and god relating um, with each other you know having communion being there was no barrier there was no um there was no div divide between them in fact they had constant access continuous access to god the creator who created them they talked with him you know and he was involved in every activity i mean he created them so they didn't know anything else they knew nothing else except him and everything he said they went by i mean he was the one who created them right so they had no idea of anything i've always had not not, not i've always had but at some point i actually thought of it this way imagine just imagine not existing and then suddenly existing like imagine you know because according to scripture god formed man right from the dust from the dust of the ground from the earth and breathing to him his breath and he became living and so that moment <laughs> this reminds me of frankenstein but <laughs> i'm not doing frankenstein things today but then just that moment like imagine like from like just opening your eyes and all of a sudden you're you're alive it's somehow like when a baby is born and you know they come out of the womb <laughs> and it's such a shocker that they just start crying because it's like oh my goodness oh my goodness oh my goodness change of environment oh what is happening but even then at least there is like some kind of knowledge of oh i've been in this place before in this amniotic sac and now i'm in another world entirely there is no fluid around me and i don't understand what's happening and so this is strange and you know like there is there's some kind of knowledge of oh, a change but imagine just opening your eyes and existing I've, like i've tried to think of it that way again frankenstein reference but we're not doing frankenstein things so just imagine being in adam's shoes and you know all you know is you know god and what he says is good and what he says is bad and you know just you know things from his perspective so this was this was the relationship they had he was their source of life god they depended on him they depended on his idea of things like you know everything just according to how he laid it out for them until the serpent comes in and then the serpent asks eve this one question did god really say did god really say you know like as if he was implying that are you sure you heard correctly are you sure god you know was being fair to you he said did god really say not to eat from that tree of the knowledge of good and evil and she's like uh, i mean yeah i he said it he even said not to touch it he didn't say not to touch it he just said not to eat from it and then um then the serpent is like no of course not that's not true he didn't say that exactly but that was what he was actually implying he said nah you're not going to die 
you're just going to become like God and know what he knows. And then Eve is like, oh, really? So God lied to us, basically. Like, I mean, even if that's not what is written, that's what is implied, right? It's like, I mean, not taking things out of context. It's just, she had only known God all this while, right? And, you know, this serpent comes and says, oh, do things this way. And, and you know, like, for you to go back on someone's word, it means that you've lost trust in them. You, you, like, you don't trust their word anymore. That's, that's what that um, depicts what that situation depicted and so they ate from the fruit adam eats from the fruit as well and then god comes in and so we pick up on the story from chapter three where we're in chapter three and verse eight i mean before now a series of things have happened they've eaten from the tree and they realized that ah they were deceived because Yes, they knew things, but some, for some reason they felt shame. And before now, shame hadn't been something that they knew of. Think about it. And now they are ashamed. They had been naked all this while, and now they feel ashamed of their nakedness, and they have to cover themselves up. Shame. Like, if you think about what shame is, why, you know, what is shame? It's like this dirty feeling. Like, you feel gross. You feel, you feel less than yourself. These are people who were created in God's image. In God's likeness, they were like God already, basically, actually. That's what it means. But, you know, they fell. <laughs> they fell. And now they are feeling feelings that never existed before. Shame. Where did shame come from? Just I will just leave that with you. And now we pick up the story from verse 8. When the cool evening breezes were blowing, the man and his wife heard the Lord God walking about in the garden. So they hid from the Lord God among the trees. This is how I knew that they were communicating with God. <laughs> then the Lord God called to the man, Where are you? He replied, I heard you walking in the garden, so I hid. I was afraid because I was naked. Who told you that you were naked? The Lord God asked. Have you eaten from the tree whose fruit I commanded you not to eat? The man replied, It was the woman you gave me. It was the woman you gave me who gave me the fruit and I ate it. And then we start the blaming game. <laughs> then the Lord God asked the woman, what have you done? The serpent deceived me, she replied. That's why I ate it. Then the Lord God said to the serpent, because you have done this, you are cursed more than all animals, domestic and wild. You will crawl on your belly, groveling in the dust as long as you live. And I will cause hostility between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring. He will strike your head and you will strike his heel. And we're going to stop there because that's an important verse. Uh, how and why it's an important verse. Let's read it again. And I will cause hostility between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring. He will strike your head and you will strike his heel. And it's like... Um, sorry, who is this person that we're talking about? I know if I, if I were to tell you that this person is Jesus that we're talking about, it'd be like, sorry, how did I come to such a conclusion? So, let's just hold that thought for now. Remember, we're looking at how the law and the prophets, scripture in general, have talked about jesus right from way back when right from the beginning so i want us to you know have that in mind as we go through this 
Now, okay, I'm going to read this verse again. Verse 15 says, and I will cause hostility. This is Genesis 3.15. Just in case you forgot <laughs> in the few minutes that we mentioned it. I will cause hostility between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring. He will strike your head and you will strike his heel. So, um, the man and the woman had basically disobeyed what God told them not to do. And, you know, they were pointing fingers. Man says it's a woman. Woman, woman says it's a snake. And then God looks at the snake and he tells the snake, because of this, you are cursed, like, above all animals that exist. And I will cause hostility between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring he will strike your head and you will strike his heel and then he goes on to tell you know adam what would what the result of his disobedience is and then he goes on to also tell eve the woman the result of her disobedience because remember that he told them not to eat from that fruit because the day they do that they will die i mean they're still alive right so you're wondering how what kind of death now apparently they've died but in a different way that is not physical that is not just about like giving up you know like the ghosts as you say but look at all the results of what they had done like let's aside from the snake the woman the man the things that resulted in them having taken from that tree of knowledge of good and evil pain um, like a lot of work, like the ground was cursed. So making things hard for Adam in cultivation and in cultivating the land, he was a farmer. The woman, you know, now she would experience excruciating pain in labor. Then the serpent was cursed. Serpent was cursed, ground was cursed. Man would suffer because ground was cursed. Serpent was cursed. But then in the middle of everything is like, I will cause hostility between you and the woman. And I know I'm saying this verse over and over again. That's to show you how important. Remember I talked about emphasis in the previous episode. <laughs> I will cause hostility between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring. He will strike your head and you will strike his heel. Now, what is God talking about here is the question. Why is he saying this in the middle of cursing the serpent? Like, what is this about? What offspring is he talking about? When I was younger, this is what I used to think. I used to think that, oh, maybe he meant that now snakes and human beings will be enemies. And, you know, I mean, you kill a snake now <laughs> and the snake will bite you <laughs> if you're not careful. But how many people have such encounters with snakes anyway? Like, like just normally in your everyday life, you don't really have encounters with snakes. Like they are doing their own thing in their own world, wherever they are in the wild, as you say. And only if you find yourself in that territory would you <laughs> find yourself face to face with a snake. Otherwise, you're really on your own. The snake is on his own. There's really no hostility between you guys in that way, in that sense. I mean, and, <laughs> you know, and even if you do come across a snake, like, it's so easy. Like, well, I don't want to say it's so easy to kill snakes, but um, I had a lot of experiences with snakes growing up, just by the way. So, um yeah, like there's not really any, how would I explain it? Any like obvious, evident hostility, if you think about it in just the physical sense of oh, us human beings and snakes. So then that means God is talking about something else here. 
who is he talking about and i know like it depends on translation right another translation will say um and i'll cause hostility between you and the woman and between your seed and her seed he will strike your head and you will strike his heel when you strike someone's head that person is dead like if you hit somebody's head like if you really hit somebody's head like you don't want to touch somebody's head you don't want to touch people's heads is you know like if if you if you hit someone's head with a stone that person is 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 going to be very 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 grievous so there is a picture of oh this seed this offspring striking the serpent's head meaning that the serpent will be defeated in some way because i mean if you hit the head that's the end of the game but in that process the serpent would also strike the seed's heel so who is being spoken of here i know i said it was jesus but before we get to that conclusion let's just carry on and then like this you have this promise you have this like this strange statement from god in the midst of all this you know discussing going on and in the midst of the repercussions of eating from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil and then you know life kind of goes on they are kicked out of the garden of eden life goes on in a very 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 serious and terrible way so to say that god has to wipe off the earth <laughs> and then he pulls out noah he kills everyone i mean everyone else is killed by the flood sent by god except noah and his family and then from noah and his family we come and stumble across abraham and his family and then that's really that's basically what the whole story of genesis is about first of all god adam and eve humanity then some trouble happens in the middle tree of knowledge of good and evil situation and afterwards evil 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 throughout human history then afterwards noah and his family are saved in the middle of all this evil where everyone else is destroyed and then afterwards if you notice if you trace down the genealogy another hint highlights when you read um the old testament is is full of genealogies and i'm learning lately that these genealogies are important because they show you like the line right where this person came from and how this relates back to the story in the beginning and so we are told that okay a seed will come where would this seed come from mm, we don't know what is this even talking about we have no idea except the holy spirit opens our eyes but then next thing we know the world is being destroyed next thing you know the tower of babel is being built and i know it sounds like i'm just <laughs> going everywhere but then next thing you know no one his family are saved next thing you know abraham comes up into the picture and if you notice he's related to noah in some way genealogy and then the rest of the story unfolds and and honestly like the rest of the bible unfolds tell me how okay so abraham comes into the picture god promises him his son he didn't have any child in the first place he's old and scraggly no opportunities of having a child and god promises him a child and abraham believes <laughs> even though he's like how is this gonna happen i am you know 99 or however old i am but even before before then actually how does abraham come into the picture we come here and we find oh the same way god kind of separated noah from everybody else and you know put him and his family in the ark and everyone else was destroyed we just stumble across Abraham being called and we are told that God told Abraham to leave his family, leave everything he knew, leave everybody he knew and just go somewhere. 
know where he knows. He doesn't know where he's going. He just knows that God said, go where I will show you and I'll give that land to you and your seed and your descendants. <clears throat> and so that happens. Then God promises Abraham his son. And he has the son after a lot of things happen. Isaac, I'm just, you know, rushing through this. But then we have Abraham, we have Isaac. Then Isaac has two sons, Jacob and Esau. And something happens. Esau is kind of shaded from the picture in a way. Then we have Jacob and then Jacob has 12 sons. And then we have the story of Joseph that everybody knows about, I guess. You know, him and his favorite coat and his dreams and his brothers wanting to kill him. And so much is happening. Like, it's crazy. Everything is just happening. Then he gets sent to um, Egypt and, you know, and the rest of the Bible story is basically about Abraham's descendants. Now, tell me, what do you think about that? First, we start with this seed. We don't even know this seed and the serpent, whatever God is talking about, we are not sure of yet. Then people are just like single-handedly picked out from the rest of the story, from everybody that was existing in that time, Noah is picked out. Then Abraham and his family is picked out. Then we have Abraham, his son Isaac, his son or his grandson Jacob. Jacob having 12 children. And the rest of the story in the Bible is about these 12 children and their descendants, known as the people of Israel. And it's like, okay, so where is Jesus in this? We will find out or we would keep finding out when we come back in the next episode. Thank you for joining me on yet another episode of Proclaiming Jesus. I know we unpacked a lot today. We talked about so much. <laughs> I hope you are not too confused. I hope you are not too mind blown, thrown off. You know, but in the midst of all the new information, I hope you've been blessed, most importantly. And I hope that um, this has made you think deeper about things or at least consider thinking deeper about things, things that you've believed in. And also to consider reading scripture, you know, with more intent and with a, a desire to find out what this is actually saying, what this means and how this all contributes or leads to the story of Jesus or culminates in Jesus. Because Jesus is at the center of everything that we're talking about and we're doing and we're living, right? And um, I'm just grateful that you decided to join me on this journey. And I'll see you in the next episode to clear all the misunderstandings and cobwebs that might be hanging in your head right now. But till then, I remain your host, Ebumulua Adedayor.